Formosa Files is sponsored by the Frank C. Chen Cultural Foundation. Frank Chen, Chen Qi Tuan, served as the mayor of Kaohsiung City from 1960 to 1968 and founded the Kaohsiung Medical College. Formosa Files. Thanks for joining us. So today's episode, it needs to be said, it's uh, the story of a terrible massacre and the eradication of an entire people. But it's an important story which deserves to be brought out from the shadows. It takes place in the 1600s on the small island of Shaoliuqiu, just 13 kilometers off the southwest coast of Taiwan. Now, the Dutch called the island Lamay after what the people in Taiwan called it or sometimes called it. Uh, they called it the Golden Lion Island in memory of men killed from a Dutch ship, which was also called the Golden Lion. So it's 20 kilometers south of the Kaohsiung port, but you can't get there from there. You have to go down to Pingdong's Donggang. And from there, it's a 30 minute ferry ride. The Chinese name, as I said earlier, is Shao Liuqiu. And it's an interesting name. Shao Liuqiu literally means small Liuqiu, which raises the question of uh, what's the big Liuqiu? Yes, it's like my home country of New Zealand. When you see the new, you should ask where the old one is, what the original Zealand refers to. And that would be uh, the Netherlands, right? The province of Zealand. Yep. The Dutch were the first Westerners to visit New Zealand. That's in 1642. And it shows how far they were voyaging at that time uh, when our story is. Very much so. Yeah. And they had a presence, of course, in uh, America, the settlement of New Amsterdam, which is today better known as New York. But back to Shao Liuqiu, the big Liuqiu, um, I don't know, I've done reading on it. It's maybe Okinawa. It's really a frustratingly vague name. Yes. Looking at the Chinese records, uh, this is very difficult. The, the references are difficult to pin down. Today, the island of Shaoliuqiu has a population of just about 12,000 people. And that's 12,000 people on an island about 6.8 square kilometers, 12 kilometers in circumference. It's a coral type of island, not volcanic like others. Uh, so it's, it's flat, basically. There are some low hills and there's a few caves and rocky shores. It's a very pleasant place to visit for sightseeing and water sports today. Not a pleasant history, though. It provides the most extreme example of assimilation, in this case, uh, of the Lame people, a subgroup of the Saraya people. In the 1600s, a punitive campaign by the Dutch, a series of punitive expeditions, most terribly in 1636, and that, that's known as the Lame Island Massacre. Eventually, every last native inhabitant would be killed or deported, all 1,200 of them. And that punitive campaign was in retaliation for the murder of shipwrecked Dutch sailors in two separate incidents in 1622 and 1631. So I'm looking at Wikipedia here, and it says that in 1622, that would be two years before the Dutch East India Company established a presence on Taiwan, a Dutch ship named the Golden Lion was wrecked on the coral reefs of Liuqiu Island. 
And unfortunately, the entire crew was killed by the native inhabitants. I've seen that version of the story in several places. Uh, but yeah, the entire crew killed. How do we find out about it? A confusion of boats, I think. My understanding is that on October 1622, a boat from the Golden Lion, okay, so a landing party went ashore to fetch some water from the island. They didn't return. And there was severe weather, and the ship, the Golden Lion, was forced to leave without being able to send a search party. Years later, they would find out the islanders had uh, killed the landing party. Okay, it's a bit of a different story. But in any case, the Dutch East India Company, or the VOC, wanted revenge. But it would need to wait an entire decade. So why this decade delay? The year of the Golden Lion drama was a busy one, okay? 1622. There was a failed Dutch attack on the Portuguese trading enclave of Macau, it's just near uh, modern-day Hong Kong. Actually, attack is too weak a word. This was an attempt to conquer Macau and make it a Dutch possession. They were the superior force, but lost what is called the Battle of Macau. And this is why the Dutch ended up in southwestern Taiwan. Had they won Macau, um, Taiwan's history would be completely different. Absolutely. And once they got to Taiwan, it took about a decade for the Dutch to establish themselves in the Tainan area and pacify the local people. Right. So after that, now they're finally ready for their revenge. So from their regional headquarters in Batavia in Java, so that would be Jakarta in modern day Indonesia, there came the command from Governor Hans Putmans in Taiwan to, quote, avenge the foul murder to secure the position of the company, the respectability of our nation, and the promotion of the Christian faith. Therefore, we have decided to have this island devastated and depopulated entirely as an example to others. So he's talking about genocide, John. Mm. The first expedition arrived in 1633, consisting of perhaps 200, 250 Dutch soldiers, 40 Han Chinese pirates, that's what the books call them, and some Aboriginal Formosans. There was an ambush by the islanders, but then they fled and hid. The Dutch couldn't catch the islanders, but they did find evidence of the murdered crew of another ship, the Beverwick. Coins, copper from the, the ship's uh, kitchen, the galley, a Dutch hat. They would later learn from the islanders that the ship had been wrecked on the treacherous reefs in 1631, with survivors uh, numbering about 50 fighting the Lameans uh, for two days before being overwhelmed and killed. So th there you have an entire ship crew killed and word doesn't get out. Right. And this expedition also learned that a large cave on the island was used by the natives as a refuge. But the weather deteriorated and the Dutch had to leave. But at least now, like, they, they knew the lay of the land and the commander of the expedition, notwithstanding the island's grisly reputation, he, he thought it was a lovely spot. He actually wrote in his report, quote, the aforementioned island is so pleasing and pleasurable that no one could believe it who has not seen it. Yay. Many confirm that no other land in the Indies can stand comparison and believe that if it is well cultivated on account of its good and rich soil, all sorts of fruit of this world, and especially those from the Indies, could be grown here. 
But because the only contact with the islanders was that brief ambush, the commander's description of the Lamay Island inhabitants was drawn largely from Formosan allies and the Chinese, who painted a very dark picture of xenophobic, cannibalistic, deadly savages. Yet it seemed that the Lamayans were less aggressive than their cousins on the mainland, Taiwan mainland. The Lamayans only attacked invaders, hardly ever made attacks on the Formosan mainland, whereas it seems that the mainland Formosans made headhunting raids to Lamay. Uh, which would explain in part their hostile reception to outsiders. Yeah, if you're going to come raiding for heads on my island, I'm, I'm, I'm going to defend myself. In any case, in 1636, a large expedition landed on the island, about 100 Dutch and a large number of Formosan allies, this time chasing the Lamaeans into that cave I mentioned earlier. The Dutch and their allies proceeded to block up all the entrances, leaving small holes where pans of burning pitch, you know, like a black tar that they would use for sealing boat planks, you know, keeping it waterproof. And uh, this pitch, along with sulfur, were placed there. The idea was to smoke them out and then take them off the island and uh, put them to work somewhere. So this smoking out, it starts working some three days later with about 42 of the trapped Lamaeans crawling out of the holes. They're promptly captured. But where are all the others? Well, the others, unfortunately, can uh, be heard inside the caves. And the Dutch did report hearing cries, screams and groans from inside this cave network. On May 4th, after eight days of burning all this poisonous fumes, The cave grew quiet. The entrances were unblocked and soldiers entered to investigate. It was too difficult and too terrible a task to make a complete count, but they found the bodies of between 200 and 300 men, women and children who had all been suffocated by the fumes. Terrible. Uh, Probably the worst story we've ever covered. As for survivors, the Dutch can count those 323 people in total captured alive. That's 125 women, 53 men, and the rest children. And these were transported back to Fort Zealandia, the Dutch settlement in modern-day Tainan. Horrible. 125 female survivors, 53 males. Uh, So I guess some of the men must be hiding elsewhere. Yes, but further expeditions found the remaining uh, Lamaeans. And they didn't really have much of a chance, right? An island can give some protection. It can be difficult to reach. It's hard to land troops sometimes on an island. But a small island with a small population, if it's targeted by a large force, well, an island then becomes a deadly trap. There's literally nowhere to run or hide. Especially when the island is not mountainous. Right. And by the way, the Formosan allies you mentioned were Aboriginal or indigenous people from villages in Tainan, yeah? Yes, uh, and also Aborigines further south as they could communicate uh, dialects of the same language, I guess. These allies were looking to take heads which was not uh, allowed at that time by the Dutch. The the Dutch had managed to, if not stamp it out in their area of control, at least greatly reduce the practice of headhunting. But headhunting was an important part of the culture. 
in a follow-up expedition to this one, they took 30 heads, including those of women and children. They, they didn't have any limit. So there were more expeditions and more deaths and more LeMay Islanders moved off the island. They get sent to Fort Zelandia in modern-day Tainan, and from there... The greatest number uh, got sent to the Aboriginal village of Sinkan in Tainan. The idea was to integrate them into households there. They were to become Christians and they were put to work by their somewhat reluctant hosts. Okay, well, they're being put to work. Uh, Work is uh, useful. So why the reluctance? Well, the Sinkan village was probably uh, only of about a thousand people. So getting hundreds of refugees creates problems. Mm. The Lamay survivors were also put to work in other Tainan areas. Some sent up to my backyard, uh, Jai Coast, to build a a small fort, which uh, no longer exists. And the really unlucky ones uh, got sent to Batavia. About 200 of them were sent there in 1636. From Batavia, uh, many would be sent onwards to plantations, uh, I think in the Banda Islands. And uh, They suffered greatly from disease. Some of the women and children reportedly were taken into the homes of Dutch people in Taiwan as servants. And get this, some of them later became wives for Dutch men. It's it's quite amazing when you think mm. about it that the LeMay people went from these feared savages, cruel cannibals, essentially wild animals in some people's minds, to wives. Yeah, uh, they didn't seem to have the racist ideas that would come centuries later of the inherent inferiority of non-whites. So their prejudices were more of a superior civilization and superior religion. Hmm. Mm. So the Dutch were fine with marrying local women um, and even encouraged it as a way of boosting colonization and Christianity in many cases. So yes, the Dutch married uh, Aborigines on Taiwan and the Lameans. And um, in the case of the Lameans, some of the Dutch leaders were softening in their attitude Complete depopulation of the island was being pushed by Batavia down at uh, the Dutch East India uh, headquarters uh, on Java. But the Dutch in Formosa, they uh, thought these people had suffered enough. They'd seen them up close. And uh, yeah, they thought the remaining people should be left. But they didn't push back hard enough against headquarters in Batavia which they had, though, actually done in another case, right? Yes. uh, Around the same time, the Dutch officials in Batavia suggested there was money to be made by gambling, by selling gambling rights to a Chinese merchant. Gambling, that uh, great human vice that is, um, um, let's just say, quite popular with uh, many Chinese people as well. Yep. Then and now. The Council of Formosa rejected the proposal for gambling. Batavia insisted. Um, Chinese merchants said it was a bad idea. They were worried that business would be affected by people gambling money away. And gambling also would lead to piracy because many young men turned to robbery and piracy to pay gambling debts. Batavia backed down and gambling remained illegal in Formosa, though I'm sure it still went on. Right. And interestingly, uh, there have been referendums in Taiwan in modern times about gambling, uh, opening casinos on outlying islands and stuff, and uh, they've all failed. So Mm. hmm. the Dutch leaders on Formosa, however, didn't have the courage to stop the depopulation of the island, but they did make some efforts to see the orphans were provided for and not exploited. So I guess, you know, half a star for that. 
Yes, some kids became VOC employees, VOC Dutch East India Company employees. One guy uh, became a VOC soldier, married twice, both wives from India. Hmm. Yeah, the Dutch settlement in Tainan, as you have constantly remarked, was amazingly multicultural. There were men and women from Europe, South Asia, Southeast Asia, and the Lemay Islanders, conversely, ended up in the four corners of the Dutch Empire. You were telling me before we started this recording that one Lamean servant of a Dutchman based in the Dutch post in Nagasaki died and was buried in Japan somewhere near modern day Tokyo. Yes. In about 1645, the servant must have been following his master on a trip to Edo uh, and died there. It's amazing that you know about the burial of a servant. Yeah, because it was recorded. Uh, this burial required special permission from the Japanese authorities. Foreigners were not allowed to be buried in Japanese soil. Uh, rather harsh, no? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so not allowed to be buried, so cremated. Uh, no, dumped at sea. Oh. But uh, apparently the shogun and uh, other Japanese elite went fishing in the shallow Tokyo Bay and didn't like the idea of the sea uh, being polluted by foreigners. Yeah, that's that's okay. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> there is another story, however, that stands out. We have records of a Lamean woman called Maria who married three times in quick succession uh, because of her husband's dying, not because uh, she didn't get along with them. She married a Dutch sergeant in 1659, had a boy the next year, but sadly, the husband died during Kashinga's siege, and she was held captive in Fort Zelandia, I assume working as a slave during those two decades of the Zhang family rule. And when that short-lived Dongning kingdom surrendered to the Qing Empire in 1683, she was one of the few surviving captives still alive. Her name appears in VOC records as being evacuated to a Dutch post in Siam. Mm, which would be modern-day Thailand. And some Lamaeans ended up even further afield than Siam, all the way to the Netherlands, including a young man called Jacob Lemay. Jacob Lemay, Lemay, right, after the island. It was common for the Dutch to give indigenous people a name from a place name, which actually is pretty helpful for historians. Yep. This Jacob Lemay was born in about 1632, so he would have been about four years old when that terrible massacre occurred. He married a Dutch woman and lived in Amsterdam. And uh, Jacob LeMay was officially registered as a citizen of Amsterdam. And there's a record of his baby daughter being baptized. That's fascinating. And again, as we say so many times in this podcast, it would make an interesting novel or movie. But going back to the island, after the main raid of 1636, there are more expeditions and it was completely depopulated in 1645 when the Dutch ended up leasing it to a Chinese merchant. Completely depopulated. That's from a population of about 1,200 inhabitants originally. So a third killed by fighting or they died in the cave and the others sent to Taiwan and Batavia. As I noted at the beginning today, Shaoliocho uh, is a very nice place to visit. It's a great day trip or you can spend an evening or two. There's sandy beaches, coral reefs, interesting rock formations. You can rent a scooter and do a circuit of the island. On the southwest coast, there's this tourist stop called 
Black Devil Cave? Uh, I went there about 15 years ago. Uh, it was a bit disappointing, rather small, just part of what was previously a larger cave. And what struck me at the time was uh, the incorrect information engraved on a stone slab near the entrance uh, in Chinese and English. Uh, do you want to read it? Okay. <laughs> this is what this slab says in English, okay? And remember, I'm reading this from this slab. It was in 1661, the 15th year of the Yongli Ming Dynasty, national hero Kushinga, knighted as Yenping King, drove the Dutch and restored Taiwan and the Pescadores Penghu. During the Dutch escaping, some Negroes were separated from their unit and arrived at this island. They lived in this cave. Some years later, a British boat with soldiers landed at the place northeast of the cave. As they were enjoying the scenery, those Negroes robbed their food and other things, burned the boat, and killed all the British. It was discovered by the British warship that they landed on this island and sought the murderers while the Negroes hid in the cave. In spite of many threats, they refused to surrender. Finally, the British burned the cave with oil. Then all the Negroes died there in the cave. Later, it was named the Black Spirit Cave, which means the cave in which the foreign Negroes had lived before. This account is so wrong. I don't know where to begin. I, I'm not going to bother with it. But I'll just say, before recording, we checked with a Formosa Files listener, Ray Ko, uh, who lives on Xiaoleocho, and he, he sent me a, a photo of uh, an updated version, some information on a billboard uh, at the cave. And uh, yeah, there's a sort of uh, a new version to this history. Uh, it has some uh, black slaves uh, freed after Koshinga defeated the Dutch, taking up residence in the caves. No mention of the Lame Islanders. It's still wrong. Right. But it does raise a question for me. Were there ever any Black people or Africans in Taiwan centuries ago? Yes and no. When Dutch sources mention Blacks in Taiwan, they're typically referring to people from Indonesia, from the Maluka Islands, and especially the Banda Islands, which are in the Maluka Islands. These Blacks, or just dark-skinned people, were a, a mixture of employees and slaves. Oh, yeah. The Banda Island story is really interesting. And I I don't think many people realize these, these people were on Taiwan. The Banda Islands, for those who don't know, are 11 small islands in the Moluccas, just to the west of the island of New Guinea. Insignificant islands today, but at the time, an El Dorado, the most valuable of the Spice Islands and fought over by the Portuguese, the English and the Spanish and local and regional interests. In those days, the spices of nutmeg and mace which mean nothing to us now, right? right. Uh, they were highly prized for their flavoring, preserving food, and as medicine. The Dutch had a dispute with local rulers, and then they conquered the Banda Islands. Almost the whole population of around 15,000 people um, either killed or rounded up and shipped to Batavia, and then some of those onwards to uh, other places. Yeah, so nutmeg. <laughs> Uh, I don't ever think about it, but uh, it has a, another little spin here in history that is just fascinating. So the British had this island called Run, and it was one of the Banda Islands and even smaller than Shaolio Cho. 
So the Dutch finally take Run Island from the English, but the English later seize New Amsterdam. So then in 1677, they make a trade. The Dutch gained formal control of this tiny island of Run with its nutmeg. And the English got New Amsterdam, which is now um, New York. A good trade, I would say, for. Yeah. But going back to uh, blacks or Africans in Taiwan, other than dark skinned peoples from the Dutch East Indies, such as the unfortunate uh, dispossessed people of the Banda Islands, there were Indians. Yeah. Yes, from Malabar. uh, This is the southwest coast of India, both slaves and sailors, I think. But we do know that there were some, at least a small contingent of Africans in Taiwan back then. Yes, the Dutch and the Portuguese, they sailed out to East Asia and back by way of Africa, where they picked up a few slaves. And in Joyce Bergvelt's novel, Lord of Formosa, she mentions Kashinga's father having a unit called the Black Guard, a motley crew from Africa. And she said they were reliable because they were recruited as strangers from other lands. They played no part in the intrigues that were rife among his Chinese officers or even his own family. These people had no history or conflict or loyalty to any particular Chinese lord. So I guess technically slaves, but also guards, warriors, of soldiers. Yes, Koshinga and his father both had units with Africans. They came out with the Portuguese as slaves. Remember that failed Dutch attack on Portuguese Macau in 1622? Yeah. At that time, the Portuguese garrison was weak, and it was African slaves that did most of the fighting. These Africans in Macau would later escape or were freed for their brave fighting, and they found employment with pirate warlord Koshinga's dad, and then Koshinga, and um, he had a, a unit of black musket men in the siege of Zealandia. That's just amazing to imagine African soldiers fighting against Dutch colonizers in Taiwan 400 years ago. Amazing. Well, that's all the time we got for today. The uh, main story today, unfortunately, was a rather bleak story, but at least it's a reminder of how fortunate we are to be living today. Yep. Lucky to be alive today. All right. Thanks for listening. Catch you later. I'm Eric Michael Smith. I'm John Ross. Bye.